Hello everyone and welcome to The Wounded Healer, where we try to make the human experience more enjoyable. I'm your host Keith, and today we're talking about anxiety. Anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder affects nearly 7 million adults in the U.S. or 3% of the population. Only half of those receive treatment. Women are twice as likely to be affected as men, and all of those numbers are on the rise. So what is anxiety? Well, in its most simplistic form, it's our body's fire alarm warning us to pay attention or to focus on something. It's a 200 million year old system designed to keep us alive. And we'll get more into that later. In more modern times, uh, the definition or how we define anxiety comes from the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. And that is the manual that all physicians use to diagnose us with mental health issues. Um, <clears throat> the definition of Generalized Anxiety Disorder, or GAD, uh, is an excessive anxiety or worry occurring more days than not for a period of six months about a number of things or events. Now, we all experience some type of acute anxiety at some point in our life, and whether it be worrying about a public speech or presentation we have to give, uh, the, the, those that first date, you know, it's those butterflies that you get in your stomach. It's those clammy, cold, hot, <laughs> wet hands. It's your sweaty armpits. It's your heart racing. <clears throat> you know, we experience the same thing if we're excited or if we're scared. And that's our autonomical nervous system doing what it's supposed to do. It's when that worry takes over and becomes overwhelming for an extended period of time uh, when it becomes an issue. And, uh, you know, honestly, if you should already be talking to somebody before it gets to that overwhelming point or on your way at that point you should understand that you should be talking or going to see somebody to try to figure this out uh, the dsm has six criterion that they will attach to the original diagnosis uh, for an example would be you have generalized anxiety disorder, but you also have difficulty sleeping or sleep disruption where you, you're up all the time, you can't go back to sleep. So that would be generalized anxiety disorder criterion A. So if someone else was to read through your charts, they would know that you're experiencing generalized anxiety disorder, but you're also having some trouble sleeping. And those specific symptoms can range from difficulty sleeping all the way to substance abuse. Now, how they would diagnose you in a clinical setting would be your doctor, psychiatrist would evaluate you, ask you some questions, and then assess those symptoms up against the six criteria that are listed with the generalized anxiety disorder. And you have to have three or more of those six criteria to be diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And they range from number one, restlessness or on edge, two, easily fatigued, three, difficulty concentrating, four, irritability, five, muscle tension, six, sleep disturbance. <clears throat> Again, you have to have three or more of those to be diagnosed with GAD. Now, there are a few other ways that you can be examined or get an examination to see if you're experiencing some of this stress, 
Uh, one would be a physical examination. Uh, another one would be some blood tests, blood work. Uh, and what they're doing is they're testing for cortisol in your blood. Uh, cortisol is the stress hormone that's released from your adrenal glands, which are the little triangle-shaped glands that set above your kidney. Uh, more stress you have, the more cortisol is going to be in your blood. <clears throat> Those adrenal glands are responsible for adrenaline uh, and your noradrenaline. Noradrenaline is the neurotransmitter. Adrenaline is the hormone. Um, and, they, you know, we're not going to get into the anatomy of the body. And that detail, you can find that information online. Um, so, again, you need three or more of those criteria to be diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. So an example would be you walk into the doctor's office or your psychiatrist and say, you know, my head's been a mess. I feel like it's going 100 miles. My thoughts are going 100 miles a minute. I can't sleep. It's starting to affect my life and the people around me. The doc kind of looks at you. He's taking some notes, asks you a couple questions. After his evaluation, he says, yeah, you have generalized anxiety disorder. And you're looking at him. Well, what is that and why do I have it? And, you know, the doctor's like, well, you have, you can't sleep, can't concentrate, and it's affecting the world around you. A bit of circular logic, and I think a lot of these diagnoses can be, in my opinion, circular logic, where A equals B, B equals A, and so on. But, you know, you say, okay, well, what should I do? The doctor says, well, I can write you a prescription for Xanax. Uh... You know, for most of you, Xanax is, is the name that we've probably heard before. It is a part of the benzodiazepine family. It's a sedative, somewhat of a tranquilizer, uh, and is prescribed for more short-term or acute anxiety moments. Uh, taking this <clears throat> can kick in within an hour uh, most times, and you're feeling pretty mellow. Uh Again, it's a it's more of a short-term medication. Uh, so if you were scared to fly, if you had a presentation, take one of these, takes the edge off, and you get the job done. Or if it's more long-term, if it's something you haven't been able to really figure out, and you've experienced it for a little while, and it's something that you think you're going to continue to experience, he may prescribe a SSRI, which is a selective serotonin retake reuptake inhibitor antidepressant um, and you would hear it as Prozac or Zoloft um, however these do take a few weeks to kind of build up in your system and again these are more for your long-term anxiety so most cases you're going to take these for about six to twelve months you're going to come off of them be reevaluated from your doctor hopefully things are better uh, and then you're talking about a, a plan to come off of them and move forward. Again, neither one of these medications or medication families are long-term treatments. And <clears throat> to be honest with you, if you're in this situation and you're in there, you should ask a lot of questions and you need to ask a lot of questions and be open and honest because these medicines can worsen underlying issues such as depression. Depression is the big one. It affects a lot of people, and most of the time, depression comes with anxiety. Anxiety comes with depression. 
So I would be real honest with my doctor, and let him know everything you got going on so you can put together a good treatment plan. Um, these medicines, medications taken often uh, can and sometimes will experience withdrawals. Um, so again, definitely not a long-term treatment. There are other things that you can do along with these medicines or maybe if it's not, if your anxiety is not that bad, some other things that we'll talk about later that you can do to maybe not even go the medication route. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, you know, that after your evaluation, the doctor kind of gives you a prescription, slaps you on the back, says, you know, good luck out there in the wild. See you in a couple months. Somebody like myself who experiences anxiety and has numerous panic attacks, probably not going to feel real good about that situation. Yeah, I honestly don't know how how I would take it if that was the first time in there. I, I would definitely probably be a little bit more worried uh, or anxious. <clears throat> but uh, I think it's important to to try to educate yourself as much as possible before you you have to go that far, so you know what you're getting into and what's the best treatment plan for yourself. So let's look at anxiety from an evolutionary standpoint and kind of get an idea of where all this comes from. So the reason you're still alive today is because your ancestors had those same feelings, <clears throat> what we're referring to as anxiety. And uh, that kept them from taking risk. It allowed them to stay alive, stay safe, to reproduce. Those hunter-gatherer tribes, they needed that. They needed to, it's self-preservation, right? They needed to stay alive, reproduce, and carry on. Uh, <clears throat> we have the same brain, that neocortex. It's that, that top part of our brain. We have the same brain, and we are hardwired. Or we're running the same programs as those early humans some 200,000 years ago. And that brain and our ancestors evolved in an immediate return environment. We live in a delayed return environment. See, there's a mismatch of our old brain and our new environment, and that has a significant impact on the stress and anxiety we experience today. A good example of our ancestors, of our ancestors would be, you know, 200,000 years ago. You see a lion across the plain, you feel stressed because you know that's a scary creature that can eat you, and you take off running. So basically, it's your flight or flight kicks in. You run a somewhere safe where you can no longer see the lion where he can no longer jump out and just eat you stress goes away you live to die another day basically so our brain was built for solving short-term acute problems keep me alive today and screw tomorrow but today we face a whole different lion out there on the plane and it looks a lot like am i going to have enough money to pay my bills next month am i going to get that job that i applied for because i need it my family needs it Am I going to be able to buy all the stuff the kids put in my Amazon cart for Christmas? Am I going to be able to fix that broken relationship? See, these problems in a delayed return environment can rarely be solved right now in the present moment. And here lies the big issue with modern anxiety. See, our flight or flight will kick in, but we don't have a line to run or hide from. You know, we have fears we don't know how to handle because they don't exist in the now. And that causes an unsettling feeling in that primitive brain we have. You know, that area of the brain like structure, familiarity, and it does not do well with random or uncertainty. 
because it will conjure up all the worst case scenarios, hence the anxiety. And you know, there are many, many studies out there about this. You know, look it up, please. Again, the more you're educated about these things, the more knowledge you have. It has definitely helped me overcome a lot of my anxiety. The more I get to know, the better I feel. So you know, now that we've talked about the brain a little bit, let's go into the parts of the brain and more specifically the limbic system and how it is responsible for activating this stress or anxiety response. See, the limbic system is buried deep within our brain underneath that cerebral cortex and above the brainstem. It's also known as the mammalian brain and it's about 250 million years old. So yeah, we do share the same brain as lizards, dogs, <laughs> reptiles, uh, it consists of the thalamus, the hypothalamus, the basal ganglia, the hippocampus, and the amygdala. Each one of those areas are responsible for something different, but they all work together. So they're all receiving information and they are transmitting information to different parts of the brain. <clears throat> and that's how they work. Um, <clears throat> these areas regulate hormones, or reward processing, habit formation, memory, emotional responses, uh, but for, for now, we're going to talk about one part of that, and it's going to be the amygdala. <clears throat> the amygdala, which is a Greek word for almond, as it is an almond-sized cluster of neurons located in the middle of your temporal lobe. Temporal lobes, if you were to look at a brain, are the side pieces that it looks separate from the top. So they're identical on both sides, as the brain is identical. On both sides <clears throat> and so you have the amygdala which sets in front of the temporal lobe or it sets in the middle of the temporal lobe sorry in front of the hippocampus so it's literally right between your ears if you could stick your fingers through your ears into your brain you could touch it the amygdala is important because it plays a central role in our uh, emotional responses including pleasure, fear, anxiety, and anger. And it is the area that activates the flight, fight, or freeze response, which I'm sure you've heard of. You've heard somewhere at some point. Uh, this response will help people in immediate danger, like our ancestors, stay alive. So the amygdala will activate this system without any initiative from you. It's so old, uh, and language is so new, language, modern language, as about less than 5,000 years old. The amygdala does not understand language. It only communicates with feelings. And, you know, one way you may recognize this is that what we refer to as intuition or that gut feeling about something, that's the amygdala talking to you. When something just doesn't feel right or you walk away from something going, hmm, man, something just wasn't right about that. Or you meet somebody for the first time and you walk away and you're like, yeah, I don't know about that fella. That's the amygdala talking to you. That's those systems firing. So again, if you think about that, I'm sure you've recognized a time or two when that's happened. <clears throat> um, so with that said, you know, we, we no longer have a line to worry about. So it triggers these emotions, the stress, the fear, the anxiety, the aggression, anger, uh, because there's nothing to fix immediately, uh, you can look at it this way, that 
I believe the anxiety we experience now does not come from the world that we live in, but we are anxious because of how we look at the world or how we think about the world. Um, and, you know, considering what we've learned here or what you will learn, it kind of makes a little bit of sense, you know. And again, that's that's helped me understand it a little bit better and get better with it. Um, so, you know, so what are some ways that we can manage this or manage our anxiety? Well, we talked about some medications earlier, the <clears throat> uh, antidepressants, the uh, sedatives. Um, again, these are great medicines. They have helped a lot of people. They do not have great long-term effects on people, uh, but they do work. Um, some other medicines that you can take, medications that you know may be worth talking to your doctor about, uh, or beta blockers. Beta blockers have been used to help with anxiety, and they do not have the long-term effects as some of the antidepressants um, or sedatives. Zofran, which is an anti-nausea medicine that's given to uh, patients going through chemotherapy, uh, is something that has been used to treat or to help with anxiety and also with bipolar disorder. Um, <clears throat> So again, there's a couple options in that medical, in, in the medicine that you could talk to your doctors about different options. Um, some other ways are to keep a journal, just journaling, writing things down, getting it out of your brain onto a piece of paper helps tremendously. Sleep, try to get as much sleep as possible, at least six good hours. Uh, obviously, you know, exercise and diet, taking your vitamins. There are some natural things out there that you can take. Ashwagandha has had some really good reviews. Uh, has been proven to help lower some cortisol levels, the stress. Um, taken before bed, I think they recommend. It's been very helpful. Uh, write it out, you know, kind of like journaling, but maybe write it out as more in the moment. Uh, at work, I have sticky notes on my desk, so if I'm thinking about something or if something just continues to just stay on my mind, I'll just keep writing it down on sticky notes and I'll write it down or either throw it away or I'll, I'll keep it and go back to it. Uh, change your environment. Environments have a huge impact on a lot of our mental health. So just simply changing your environment, and that can mean anything from <laughs> rearranging furniture to uh, us up and moving, you know, not that that's that's pretty extreme, but you get the point. Just change your environment. Uh, or the, the people you're hanging out with, the people you hang out with can be a part of your environment. Sometimes you kind of have to, to go through that, that friends list and, and start clicking away the folks that you really don't spend a lot of time with or don't really add value to your life. Um, create a routine. Again, remember we talked about that part of the brain, not liking uncertainty. Get yourself a routine. Get in and stay in that routine. will satisfy that primitive brain and will help ease some of your stress and anxiety. Set goals because anytime you're working towards something uh, or you're leaning towards something, it's a positive. Talk with someone. Um, I am a 
certified behavior. Well, I'm sorry. Cognitive behavior therapy. I am a certified practitioner. Uh, so I am a big supporter in that. And I think, you know, CBT uh, is impactful in a lot of our mental health uh, issues and uh, along with medications and therapy uh, can be a great resource. Um, just but talking with someone and, and try to talk, talk to folks before it gets too bad. Talk it out. It's okay to talk it out. You know, I know, you know, and I'll speak for guys, men, males. Um, we struggle with it. You know, we, we like to pretend that nothing bothers us and we don't need to talk. Well, you're 100% wrong. You need to talk more than anybody. And you really need to find somebody that you can confine in, that you trust, that you can just cut loose and and talk. Um, or there's two, two real important questions that you can write down for yourself too that that can help with this uh the one question you could write down what am i avoiding and answer that you know again avoiding causes stress that putting it off not handling something causing that uncertainty in that part of our brain it is stressing it is a stressor uh you could also write this out if i can just blank i can finally blank you know so you wrote you write those two down you start filling them in you start handling some stuff it helps uh, so what are what are the big takeaways here well I think uh, when you start feeling like there's a a shift in your mood or your attitude uh, or you start to feel these things happening inside of you that that heart racing the mind racing uh you know sometimes you know anxiety can make people feel just physically sick uh, other times it can just you know keep you preoccupied but i think the most important thing is is when you start feeling different than you have when there's just a shift in your normal behavior or a shift in your normal mood if you are in a healthy mood now we're talking about healthy individuals um when you start to feel a shift, that's when you need to start writing this stuff down. That's when you need to start thinking about it. And, and again, and remember, it's our body's way of telling you to focus on something. So you start feeling a shift, focus on it. Okay, what's going on? Why is this happening? What's happening around me? You know, you're thinking it out. You're writing stuff down. If it continues, now maybe you're talking to somebody. If it's if it continues beyond that, now you're making an appointment and you're going to see your doctor about it. Um, but again, all the things we're talking about are talking about moving forward with it, leaning into it. You know, don't let it just consume you. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it just keep you laid up on the couch and making you feel like you don't want to do anything. Don't feel helpless because you're not because there's so many resources out there to help you. And you do not have to feel helpless. Um, you do not have to be a victim. Anxiety is a part of our life. It's a part of our, our, our anatomy. It's in our DNA. Like it's not going anywhere. It's taken hundreds of thousands of years to get here and it's still there. And it's going to take many, many, many thousands of years in the future to maybe, you know, 
breed this out of us, I guess you would say, through evolution. And I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, so the more that you understand it, the more that you embrace it and accept it, the more that you kind of question some things when it's happening um, and use it to your advantage. You know, use it. Okay, what is my body telling me I need to focus on? What is it? Um, I think we can come out of this thing a little bit better than when it started. I hope you learned something here today. Uh, you know, I, I, I want all my podcasts to kind of go this way where we keep it nice and simple. So just about anyone can understand it. Um, a lot of facts in there. Again, some opinions, but they're harmless. Uh, I get better when I do these things and I hope you get better when you listen. And that's kind of how I want it to go. So thank you for listening. Make sure you pass this on and, and to anyone maybe that's struggling with some anxiety, hopefully it can help. And we'll see you on the next one.